Welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Manicharian, former NFL scout and now of Sports Info Solutions, joined by Aaron Schatz, the godfather of football analytics and the founder of Football Outsiders. We've got Justin Stein with us, as always, on the controls. And today, we've got our two lead scouts at Sports Info Solutions, Nathan Cooper and John Todd, the two guys who are responsible for cross-tracking every player in the SAS Football Rookie Handbook. What's up, guys? How's it going? Uh, appreciate you having me. Merry right. Christmas. We're, we're going to do a brisk uh, breakdown of the SIS mock draft that you guys put together along with several other SIS uh, scouts. And that mock draft was up on sportsinfosolutionsblog.com. And me and Aaron are going to drill you and figure out uh, what you had to say, but we'll try to get in and out of here relatively quickly as we preview the draft. And then tonight, Aaron and I will be back. We'll be breaking down the first round and that'll be posted for you by tomorrow morning, by Friday morning. Uh, so you get your recap fresh as soon as you wake up. Um, let's start off right at the top, though, guys. Uh, the first pick, I don't think anybody is going to be surprised when Joe Burrow's name comes off the board. Uh, what did you guys have there? Yeah, Joe Burrow is a guy that, uh, you know, he's been, pretty much been the consensus number one uh, pretty much throughout the whole process. Uh, whenever you look at him, watch him play, the accuracy all over the field is ridiculous. He's a leader, a competitor, uh, and he's a guy that, you know, he obviously can – what he does with his arm, but he can run a little bit too. And, you know, 251 total points uh, is just off the charts. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much a consensus number one right there. No argument for me. Um, Aaron, when, when Joe Burrow's name comes off the board, that's going to make sense to you? Makes total sense to me. Obviously, his season last year was incredible. Too bad they can't bring the offensive coordinator with him, the offensive coordinators in Carolina instead. But, no, it makes total sense. All right, so no surprise there. Moving on, number two pick, John Todd. What, what, what's the selection there? Another no-brainer for me, Chase Young, um, best player in the draft by the handbook standards, by seemingly the NFL standards. Um, he's going to be a dominant player. This isn't a pick for need for the Redskins. They've got – they took Montez Sweat last year. They've got Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis. They've got a great D-line already. Um, but this is what you call strengthening a strength. You've got new head coach Ron Rivera. You've got Jack Del Rio as the defensive coordinator, um, has coached Khalil Mack and some other uh, peppers back in the day and everything. You've got some great defensive ends and coaches in this building. Um, this is a building block to build off of and a great start to a new regime. And what will you say if they actually end up trading down here? What if they get out of there and they end up picking up a couple of picks? Would that be something that you think would make sense here, or is the player just too good? It'd be interesting. It doesn't sound like it. He's hinted at, Ron Rivera's hinted at, uh, if they traded down, they'd need to get a player with similar value. Um, we don't really see one with similar value, but that would also lead you to believe if they did, it would have to be just a couple picks, maybe get an Isaiah Simmons or somebody. Um, there was a report earlier that the Falcons tried to make a big move up to number two. Um, who knows how much they would have had to give up for that, but that would have been a, a lot to give up and a far way to move back. And uh, Redskins apparently said no. So Chase Young seems like it's their guy. I mean, the analytic correct thing to do would be to trade down. The best thing to do would be to trade down because every model shows that the conventional Jimmy Johnson draft chart, which teams still basically base their trades on that chart, overrates the higher picks and underrates the lower picks. And the best thing to do for Washington would be to trade down and add multiple players and multiple positions. 
But I can see it from their perspective, certainly, that going all the way down to 16, which is where Atlanta is, would be too much of a fall. They would want to stay in the top 10 where they could get a top offensive tackle. But, uh, I mean, I still think the wiser thing for them to do is to try to trade down. Yeah, you know, we're always talking about the draft in terms of tiers. So I always think, you know, this year I really look at it. I feel like there's a top tier that's Chase Young and the two quarterbacks. Then there's kind of the, the, the three defensive players at three levels, uh, Brown, Simmons, and Akuda, along with the four offensive tackles and the two top-tier wide receivers. The way I kind of think about the draft in my brain is I get to about 12, and then I start to think I probably wouldn't want to move past there if I could help it. Uh, but I am with you, Aaron. At the end of the day, if you just close your eyes, forget about who you think all these players are going to be, and remember that we really don't know as well as we think we do, uh, and just trust the, the process on the trade down um, it's hard to argue against it when you look at the numbers. But, I mean, based on what we know, we don't know as much as we think we know. But based on what we do know, Chase Young is a really incredible prospect. So, yeah, he's going second. That's how it's going to be. Coming right back, we'll be the third pick in the draft. We've got the Lions on the clock. Nathan, you covered the Lions in the mock draft. What was the pick there? Yeah, being a Lions fan, um, you know, I went with Jeffrey Okuda uh, out of Ohio State. Um, he's a guy that's, you know, super reactive athlete, smoother mover plays man, plays zone, uh, 55 total points last year is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, like we were just talking about, um, you know, you could see Okuda, Brown, Simmons all be a possibility, but, and then also really um, talk about that trade back. Um, for me, for a Lions, you know, being a Lions fan, I would love to be able to trade back a couple of picks and, and still get Okuda. Um, I think three may be a little bit rich, but uh, the Lions have needed corner for a long time. They needed to draft a corner in the first round for a long time and have it. And I think this is their opportunity to really do so. Yeah, it seems like the dream scenario to trade down and still get a CUDA, but that might be uh, a little bit uh, too dreamy uh, scenario. i got to wonder, as a Lions fan, um, what if somehow somebody trades up to that second pick and two quarterbacks go off the board and Chase Young's available there? Do you think a CUDA is still the pick or would they take Chase Young in that case? I think it's Chase Young. I've been messing with John for the past couple of months and, and been hoping for, for that to happen. Um, for Chase Young to fall to three. But the way it's looking, I, I really think the Redskins are really going to stick firm at two and, and go ahead and take Young. All right, all chalk so far. Number four, Giants on the clock. John, what's the pick here? So this might be kind of the hinge point of the draft. It's interesting. Um, the Lions are a trade-down spot for sure, uh, but the Giants sitting at four, they can go uh, take a player, they can trade down, they can get involved in this quarterback thing and, and bait that out there for somebody to move up. But... If they stick at four, it seems like they're either going to go Isaiah Simmons or a tackle, and it's starting to lean more towards a tackle. And, uh, and we've had Andrew Thomas as our top tackle all along for the whole process. And it also seems to be uh, there's some smoke lately that he's one of the tackles that's being considered by the Giants uh, between him and possibly Tristan Wirfs of Iowa. Um, in my mind, the Redskins took Chase Young, and they probably will take Chase Young. Uh, you've got to protect Daniel Jones. You've got to protect Saquon Barkley. You've got to help out that offensive line. Andrew Thomas is the best uh, player that projects to the left side of the offensive line. And, uh, and I think he should be the pick here. Very interesting analysis. I could, I could certainly see them going in that direction. Um, I know that I, it seems to me like coming out of the Giants camp, they're looking to move down. Um, the way that they're spreading rumors that they're interested in Justin Herbert and things like that, that sounds like – uh, trying to get somebody to bite to get them to move down and still be able to get one of these tackles. Um, but I, I think you're right. If they end up sitting there, I think Andrew Thomas would be a very good pick. Um, he's, he's a really, really impressive prospect when you look at him. Uh, 
in terms of a guy that has all the athletic potential um, and he's played pretty well, but he has so much more to grow. I will say that based on the idea of wisdom of crowds as to what teams are going to do, looking at grinding the mocks, uh, grindingthemocks.com, they have Andrew Thomas in most mock drafts now goes later than Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Willis. So it's interesting to see. I mean, there's the four really good offensive tackles. You guys have Thomas as the top guy, uh, but it's interesting to see which one will actually go first. Right. It's hard to argue. Uh, you know, it's funny when you look at our book, which is the, the February draft board, not incorporating Wirfs running the four eight um, and how that might have impacted his draft stock. I think uh, for somebody like Isaiah Simmons, you know, who we'll talk about later, we, we, I think, had him pegged pretty good, even though we didn't realize he was going to test that outrageously. Um, it's interesting sometimes how when you look at the evaluation just based on the field versus, oh, my gosh, did you see him work out, how that can change. So maybe for better, maybe for the worse. Uh, Andrew Thomas's kind of rise and fall in, in, in the ideas of mock drafts has been interesting since last summer he was really thought of as a bona fide top five pick, the best tackle coming into the season. Um, season goes along, some of these other tackles start rising, he might get lost in the shuffle a bit, and now it seems like in the past week there really seems to be some smoke that he's, uh, he's creeping up a bit higher than people had him pegged lately, so uh, we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, it's always interesting to know how much of this is like smokescreen related stuff versus otherwise, um, but when you look at his stats just in the Football Rookie Handbook for 2019, one holding penalty, one false start. Uh, four four blown blocks in the pass game, four blown blocks in the run game. Uh, pretty ridiculous overall uh, what he's able to accomplish. Uh, so it certainly I don't think was anything on the field this year that, that made him take a step back in the evaluator's eyes. I just think sometimes uh, the process goes on, especially like it did this year, um, and we can talk ourselves into and out of a lot of things. Speaking of which, number five pick uh, in the mock draft, we had Tua go to the Dolphins. Uh, what do you guys make of that pick? Obviously, you know, there's been talk since last season, you know, Tank for Tua, um, the Dolphins have, you know, Dolphins fans in their minds, you know, for the past year have really wanted this to happen. Um, in our mock draft, we have it happening, um, but there's a lot of talk that, you know, now they may look elsewhere. Um, but, you know, if you just look at things, you know, straightforward like this, Tua to the Dolphins makes a lot of sense. Um, enough about the injury, you know, he's going to be fine. It might throw a, a little glitch into his career at some point, but um, I think he's ready. Uh, and whether it's the Dolphins or the Chargers or somebody else, I think a, a team is going to be smart to take him around this time. So it makes total sense. Five and six are the Dolphins and Chargers. The Dolphins and Chargers need quarterbacks. There's two quarterbacks here. That's the way it probably should go. It's just a question of whether one of them wants to trade up to get ahead of the other one to get the quarterback that they want. You know, different evaluators like different things. I'm a, I'm a Tua guy. To me, I think there's a huge gap between him and Justin Herbert, but I get it and I understand uh, people worried, especially about the durability more so than any specific injury with Tua and how that might be a, a factor there. Um, so as much as I would love the Tua pick and I would hate the Herbert pick, I get it. It makes sense um, <laughs> in, terms, in terms of what you could expect there. Uh, I think the Dolphins have done a great job. If they can actually pick Tua at five, if this was all them kind of maneuvering to not have to trade up and they can actually get him there, then I think they did a great job kind of preserving their assets in this process. I mean, I feel a little weird because so many people are absolutely sure that Tua is no questions asked better than Herbert. I feel a little weird because our Q-based system put Herbert ahead of Tua 
but he's so it's solely put Herbert ahead of Tua because Herbert has more experience. And I mean, I think there's an argument that there's something that, that as time goes on with more and more quarterbacks coming out after just one or two years, especially because of transferring that that experience variable, you know, is less and less predictive. So I too would take Tua over Herbert. I do feel like people, especially on in analytics, Twitter are a little sure of themselves here. The Tua is absolutely positively like thousand yards better, you know, better than Herbert, like a million times better when the fact is there's a lot more crapshoot to this than we realize. But I mean, I, it makes sense. Tua needs to be the pick ahead of Herbert. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people that I really respect that, that don't see it the way that I do. And that's totally fine. Um, I've seen uh, some people point out that they think Tua has issues uh, with accuracy, which, which I disagree with. And, and, you know, I can watch the same film as somebody else that I respect and we can see two different things. So anybody being too sure is, and I'll just point out one more thing I did make, mention in the Cubase article. No quarterback, top quarterback prospect in the last 23 years has played with more draft-worthy talent in his final college student college season than Tua Tagovailoa in 2019. Wills, Judy, Ruggs, two guys who are likely to be top 10 picks next year, Leatherwood and Waddle. Like, it is. He had a lot of good teammates, so he played in a really good situation. Again, I would take him ahead of Herbert, but I don't think it's insane to think that Herbert might end up being better, surprise, because we know less than we think we know about the draft. Yep, and let's also see where they end up, because I think that'll have a lot to do with it too. All right, so we had two at five. Uh, Nathan, we had the Chargers at six going with Herbert. Uh, anything you wanted to add on those quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, with Herbert, again, you know, a lot of what we just talked about, the arm strength is there um, with Herbert. He's the one guy that kind of shows out a little bit more with the arm uh, talent there. Uh, and you look, one thing that he really improved on this year was his IQR against pressure. Um, his IQR went up to 102.2 under pressure this year, which was a huge leap from the last couple of years. Um, and that was definitely interesting to see. And, and he's a guy that even for his size is definitely mobile. Um, to really work the pocket. So it'll be interesting to see um, where both of these guys go tonight and uh, kind of their careers. Yeah, I think if Justin Herbert succeeds, it looks like like Josh Allen type uh, thing. I, I, I think he's got to rely on his athleticism a whole bunch to go along with his arm talent um, as he figures the rest out, which, you know, Bills fans are ready to bet on this year. Um, and I'll disagree with them on it all day. But, but, you know, that's why they play the game. All right, at the number seven pick, Isaiah Simmons finally off the board. Uh, what did you guys have here? This is an interesting pick uh, for me, especially because of the person that made it in our mock draft. Jordan Edwards is uh, one of our best scouts. He's a big Panthers fan, and he's also the Clemson participation scout. So um, on top of all that, he wrote Isaiah Simmons' report, and he wrote Derek Brown's report. So with both of those players sitting there, the Panthers fan, who uh, is well-versed in both players, took Isaiah Simmons. Um, obviously, they lost Luke Keekley. Um, not an exact linebacker for linebacker trade there you've got Isaiah Simmons we've covered him a lot with his snap distribution between safety and linebacker on and off ball in the slot out wide um can do it all player they already have a Shaq Thompson type will linebacker who's ranging everything and this just adds more speed to their defense I was going to say this is more of a Thomas Davis replacement than this is a Luke Keekley replacement somebody that can be uh, all over the field in a lot of different situations I, I think 
Um, he'll be exciting to see just what his usage can be. I would love to see him land with the Panthers because I think they're trying to do some clever things as we move forward there. So I'd like that pick. All right, number eight, the Cardinals finally take Tristan Worfs, the second tackle that we had off the board. Um, heck, what, what are we doing here? We got Justin. Justin made the pick. Justin, what did you make of this one here? What, what was the thought process there? Um, Got to protect Kyler Murray. I, I was actually tempted to, uh, you know, with, with Cliff's offense, get another one of these big-time weapons uh, to add to the add to the group. But um, that, that seemed like more uh, luxury than functionality. I, I like Worfs a lot. Um, I have him kind of 1B with, with Thomas. So uh, I was pretty happy to get him at that spot. Marcus Gilbert, the right tackle there, is 32. They picked him up from the Steelers last year. He got injured and never played. There's totally a space for Wirfs here. Absolutely. Yep. The fit makes sense. And getting somebody that can move like Wirfs can and fit into that offense would be exciting. Um, I think no doubt. All right, let's take it ahead to number nine, the Jaguars. Nathan, who's your pick here? Yeah, I went with Derek Brown. Derek Brown's still on the board here. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy you're going to plug right into the middle of that, that defensive line. Uh, strong guy, good body control. He's a guy that's going to be able to play against the run and the pass. Um, really good as a pass rusher. He had 50 total points each of the past two seasons uh, and when run at a 41% bounce rate. And that's, that's a guy that's being disruptive on the defensive line. Um, and I think with the Jaguars, you know, really their, uh, their whole defense is kind of under construction right now. And I think Brown's a guy that uh, can really go in there and, and make an impact early. We saw uh, the, the other really uh, highly rated defensive tackle prospect, Javon Kinlaw, play at the Senior Bowl, where obviously we didn't get a chance to see Derek Brown. I thought J- Javon Kinlaw was the most dominant player at the Senior Bowl, period, at any position. Would you give any thought to moving him up ahead of Derek Brown, or what is it for you that solidifies Derek Brown as the pick there? I, I like J- Javon Kinlaw just as much as everybody else does as well. But I think Derek Brown, just what he brings um, from what we've seen on film, that I think he just has a little bit more, uh, you know, step above Kinlaw. I think Kinlaw is going to go, you know, right around the top 15 picks as well. Um, but for me, I, I'm looking at Brown ahead of Kinlaw. Uh, I just think what he's done, uh, in, you know, at Auburn the last couple of years has been, you know, truly amazing. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's a little bit more of a finished product, Uh, at this point in terms of what he's been on the film. Um, But I do love the upside with Kinlaw. Also, you know, not something we think about as much, but the injury risk on Kinlaw is there. Um, He had a couple of things, including uh, the tendonitis that may or may not be an issue that made him leave the Senior Bowl. Um, And he had the hip a couple of years ago. I know that he played on. Uh, John Veros was thorough with his his analysis there. And and certainly that's something to worry about uh, when it comes to him. So I'm with you on Derek Brown being the pick. All right, and finally, let's round out the top 10. The Browns picking at number 10. John Todd, what do you got here? Yeah, the Browns might be uh, a bit pigeonholed here, wanting to take one of these offensive tackles, whoever's left around. Um, in our mock draft here, we've got Makai Becton and Jedrick Wills as the two that are left remaining. Um, Becton might have the more upside. He's obviously a bigger player, but Wills is probably the safer pick. Played at Alabama, we've talked about him. Um, right tackle for Alabama, but again, you got to remember that right tackle at Alabama has been the blindside protector for Tua uh, the past few years. So, um, really solid player, anchor play strength, everything. Um, and again, this is before any possible Trent Williams trades too. There's been some discussion along those lines too. So, um, we'll see what they do there. If they make a trade elsewhere for another tackle, um, this would free them up for sure to go another direction. Maybe kind of mix up the the wide receiver rankings here. Take one before anybody else can get one. Um, but for now, we're going to give him Jedrick Wills. 
Yeah, it seems like a, a, a tough, uh, tough sell for that trade. You know, they're looking for a first-round pick with these four first-round offensive tackles available. Uh, it seems to me like you'd rather draft a young guy, uh, plug him in there, and not have to pay him a whole lot over the next four years uh, rather than go in, in the direction of giving up assets to have to pay somebody. Uh, if, if the Browns do not draft an offensive tackle by the time they get to their second-round pick, I will be shocked. Even or they're if, making that trade with a future one or something. Even if they trade for Trent Williams, I would, I would be expecting them to draft a right tackle. Like it is so obviously their biggest need right now, and there are tackles right at the top of the draft. And or they could use the second round and do something awesome by drafting Ezra Cleveland and have him be Cleveland, Cleveland. I mean, <laughs> they've got to take tackles. It could he'd be a great fit on the right side, Jedrick Wills. John, you've watched as much Alabama as anybody. Is he a guy that could also play different offensive line positions or solely a right tackle, you think, based on his skill set? Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, playing right tackle for Alabama has meant he's the, the blindside guy for Tua. So um, there's obviously a lot of different footwork that changes moving to the left side. Um, he's not necessarily a guard potential, but he's got the skill set to possibly do anything there. Um, they did sign Jack Conklin in free agency, so they do did bring in somebody, but they need a, a bookend to that. Um, and yeah, whatever direction they go, you got to think that they need to be helping out Baker Mayfield in that offense. All right. Looking ahead, just kind of breezing through the rest of after the top 10, you have three receivers come off the board, a little run at 11 through 13 with CD lamb, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised to see any of those guys go in the top 10. They could go a little bit higher. Um, you know, everybody talks about how little we know with all the mock drafts this year, because there's so little information exchange. Um, but any of those guys I could see, I could see somebody falling in love with and feeling like they need to have. Um, after that, is there anything that jumps out to you, Aaron? I think I was surprised by uh, the idea of the Eagles taking Cesar Ruiz at 21. I just, I guess Kelsey, Jason Kelsey might be close to retirement, but it doesn't, I don't know, maybe he's closer to retirement than I think he is. That's the, I guess, one that stuck out to me as far as the first round mock draft picks. Yeah, Ruiz is a guy that, you know, he definitely a, a big-time player at Michigan. Um, I think what, what Ben Herkich was thinking here, uh, he's, he's kind of the resident Eagles fan that was in the, the mock draft, um, is thinking kind of what you were thinking here. Um, you know, Kelsey may be closer to uh, retirement, you know, the, maybe these next couple of years. You have a guy that kind of comes in behind him. They can groom him a little bit. Uh, and, and we really are high on Ruiz. He's our number one center prospect uh, and think that he could probably be a guy that plays in the league for 10 years. And then I, one that jumped out to me is, uh, you know, you complimented Jordan, uh, one of our top scouts for sure, with the Falcons picking at 16 and Akuda off the board already. He had them taking C.J. Henderson out of Florida. What do you make of that pick? Is that a little bit of a reach for you guys, or, or do you guys think that, that he justifies that pick? We've had Henderson right in the mix with uh, a group of other corners uh, right after Akuda this year. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of talk of the Falcons even moving up to take CJ Henderson. So getting him where he got him at sticking, staying put at 16 and taking him would be a, a good pick for them. I think we have uh, a couple players that just beat him out in ties, Trayvon Diggs, and I believe Jalen Johnson. Um, but CJ Henderson is one of the better pure cover corners in this draft, had some tackling issues at Florida, but, uh, everybody raves about how he looked at the combine, how smooth he was, um, just purely from a coverage perspective. Um, he'd be a great fit, and they definitely need some help there at corner when uh, Desmond Trufant leaves, and they've had some injuries on the back end there for the past few years. It's interesting that with uh, a guy with a similar book, kind of Greedy Williams coming out last year, he drops deep into the second round. 
uh, a player that profiles pretty similarly, I think, just based on the need around the position this year, seems like he's going to end up going a lot higher. Uh, maybe it's something that I'm missing about the player and not seeing there uh, that other people are. But uh, for me, uh, I, I do worry about the physicality, um, and, and I worry about that being a little bit of a reach pick. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, especially where Henderson goes, and then the back end of the, of the first round, I think it's going to be interesting on, that you may actually see a run on corners. Um, so depending on kind of where Henderson falls uh, may kind of spark uh, when that, that run starts to happen in, at the, the back end of the first round tonight. That's interesting because I, I haven't looked at, at this corner class as necessarily being – I think that there's one guy that, you know, people that want to put Henderson ahead of Akuda. I don't understand it. I don't see it. Um, I see Akuda as, as a really good prospect. I think he's a better prospect than Marshawn Lattimore was when he came out. Uh, there's really nothing not to like about him the way I see him. But these other prospects, I'd see them as more kind of middling. I don't see a lot of a separation between uh, a Henderson and a Trayvon Diggs and a Christian Fulton, for example. Uh, and really, I'm not confident enough in any of these guys' skills. We're always talking, Aaron and I, about um, the, the inconsistency of cornerback performance metrics from year to year. I'm not confident enough that any of these guys can be good, that, that it's uh, – I think there could be a few reaches if people really want to – take several corners off the board at that point. All right. Anything else that you guys wanted to touch on uh, before we get out of here? Oh, I'm so ready to just draft. There's been so much buildup, so much buildup for tonight. Let's just do it already. On that note, we will sign off and get out of here. Uh, Let's thank all of our listeners. Thank you guys so much uh, for for continuing to support us, especially in the lead up to the draft. For everybody that's purchased the SIS Football Rookie Handbook, uh, thank you. And we hope you enjoy it, especially over the next next few days where it can be your your, uh, accompaniment to the draft and you can check in on all of our evaluations and our analytical notes on the different players. Um, We hope you enjoy that. Um, We will be back tonight. Uh, Aaron and I will be recording as soon as the first round is finished. We will have that posted. Justin will stay up all night editing and making sure we sound good. And he'll have that up for you in the morning, tomorrow morning, so you can wake up and hear what we had to say in our uh, stupor (laughs) of midnight um, and our reactions. For my co-host, Aaron Schatz, and our producer, Justin Stein, And of course, our guests, Nathan Cooper and John Todd. This is the Off the Charts Football Podcast. Thank you, and we'll talk to you later.